15. Acts chapter 15. You know, sometimes when, uh, when you know, technical things go wrong, it's just bad equipment. <laughs> sometimes, and then other times, you know, you got a question, right? You know, kind of like, hey, it's, you know, maybe there's uh, forces at work trying to, and, and, and here's what makes me say that, is, you know, it, it would be no big deal if it weren't at a point where the song is declaring the victory we can have in Christ. And, you know, that, that makes me just wonder, is it a little bit more than just sometimes, you know, we didn't put enough gaff tape on the, <laughs> on the equipment. You know, I don't know. Anyway, here's the deal. So today, I'm excited about today's message, not because of uh, that it's an easy message, but because it has real potential for our lives. It has real potential for our church. It has real potential for application in your personal life. And, and I approach it even with trepidation because it is a challenging subject that you don't necessarily want tested because we're talking about conflict. And boy, whew, you know, you ever seen conflict in a church? <laughs> uh, surely that doesn't happen, right? Surely this, you know, churches are exempt from dealing with conflict. It happens. And, you know, here's the good thing. Right now we're in a season of, you know, at least I'm not aware of, like, conflict within the church. At least not, not something that, you know, like, yeah, we're at each other. And, and I hope and I pray that we don't get there, that we can avoid some of that by, by growing in our faith and maturing and learning how to deal with these things in a biblical manner. And that's why I love this potential. Because it's potential is that we can keep the devil at bay when it comes to conflict as a church. And then you as an individual can learn how to manage some conflict even in your own life. And chances are we deal with conflict on a regular basis, whether it's in our homes, whether it's at work, whether it's at a, a school or wherever it might be. Conflict is a regular occurrence. And the Bible gives us very clear instructions when it comes to handling conflict. You know, people who say, well, the Bible is just some old, outdated book, they're not reading it through the same lens that I am. Because when I'm reading the scriptures, I see very clear personal application for our lives. So the Bible provides us two plans of action for two different types of conflict. The first one, the first type of conflict is for individuals. Like when you're dealing with conflict in your life, like someone wronged you in some way, or someone did something to you, you know, and you're, you know, there's conflict in that relationship. How do you handle that? Well, the Bible gives us a very clear uh, plan of action. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time here, but that first conflict type, as it's related to individuals, is really how are you to respond when you have conflict with another person? And the Bible tells us a four-step process, and I'm telling you, this is worth, this is, this is worth you coming today. This is worth writing down because it's a four-step process that's found in Matthew 18. So before we jump into Acts 15, let me give you this four-step process that Jesus gives us in Matthew 18. The first step is this. He says, when somebody wrongs you, when somebody does something that creates conflict with you and another person, the first thing is you go and talk with that person one-on-one. -on -one. And here's the challenge. You know, that you, you read that in Scripture. You read that in Matthew 18, and that sounds like common sense, right? But it's, this, it's that first step that most people skip over. You know why? 
because it's so much easier to go and talk to your best friend about it first. It's so much easier to go onto social media and say, hey guys, what should I do? It's so easy for us to go into other venues and start seeking counsel about this conflict in your life before taking action. And the first plan of action, the first step that Jesus says in Matthew 18, look, if you got conflict with somebody, just go talk to them. Just go talk to them. You know why? Because if you just go and talk to them, you can probably resolve it pretty quickly. You can probably resolve it and no further action is needed. You know, a lot of our worry is about things that don't even come to fruition. And if we would just simply go to someone and, and talk with them one-on-one, we could end most conflict just by simply going to them and addressing it with them. So if the problem persists, though, you, let's say you went to them and you talked with them one-on-one, then the scriptures say share with another mature believer that can help mediate the problem. That's, that's the step, second step. And like I said, what we often do is we often don't want to involve others to help them mediate. We want um, to involve another person so that we could complain to them. We don't want them necessarily to be a mediator and help us to go and confront the, the conflict. We just want someone that we can bend their ear and complain to ourselves. And we can just say, can you believe that they're acting this way? Can you believe that they're doing this? Can you believe that person that you haven't talked with yet and now you're talking with someone else about that conflict. So that's a dangerous place to be. So if we want someone uh, to mediate, that's the second step. The third step, Matthew 18 says, if the problem then persists. Now keep in mind, at this point, you've involved a mediator. You've involved someone else. Now it says, if the problem now continues, it's now to involve other Christian believers from your church. This would be a good in, a time for like involving a small group. And going to your small group and saying, guys, um, could you pray for me and this situation? Here's what do we do a lot of times. We disguise our complaints and conflict through prayer requests, right? Listen, it's not supposed to get to that point until stage three. At stage three, you know, step three, that's when we go to our small group. That's when we go to them and say, listen, I've got conflict with someone. We've already had some mediation. We've already tried to address this, and it's still not resolved. I need the body of Christ to come around me in prayer and help me through this conflict. And that's when we involve our small group. That's when we involve uh, the church body. And then what does it say? You know, and, and by the way, this is usually where most people start. That's the step, step three. That's where most people begin. They go and they, they do, they share it as a prayer request, or they just go to a larger group and try and involve people. And here's what happens as a result, and here's how I can prove it to you, because this will make sense to you. When the confrontation is finally addressed and everybody knows about it, that's when the other person says, why didn't you come to me first? Why didn't, you, why didn't you come to me first? Why, didn't you, why, did you, why did you go to everybody else? Why didn't you come to me first? And there's something within us, written even in our hearts, that knows there's something about it that they should have come to you first. So the biblical model of Matthew 18 is, is written within us. We know it's the right thing to do, to go and talk with someone one-on-one. And then if they don't listen, then get a mediator. Then if they don't listen, then involve your small group. Then if they don't listen, listen to this, step four. 
if the problem persists, it says, then sever ties with them and treat them as you would a non-believer. That's what Matthew 18 says. Then you, then you just say, look, I, I've done everything that I can. I've done everything within my power to be at peace with this person. And now it says, I need to do what? Treat them as a non-believer. Now, here's what, here's, here's the danger. That doesn't mean to shun them. I think that that's the danger there, right? A lot of times what we do is we read that passage, and here's the application that I hear churches make. That, well, they have sinned, and they've done this, and they have conflict, and they're unwilling to resolve it. And the Bible says to treat them like an unbeliever. Therefore, we're going to shun them. Where in Scripture does it say that Christians have a mission to treat non-believers by shunning them? How are we to treat a non-believer? As a non-believer. What do we do with non-believers? Share the gospel with them. Right? I mean, so when the scriptures tell us, to, when we get to step four and the conflict is not resolved, yes, we sever tires, ties as, as far as having them in our inner circle, close relationship, and we may keep them in a distance from that perspective, but our best approach is at that point to love them with the gospel. That's what we're called to do, is to treat them as a non-believer who needs to hear the gospel. You show them the love of Christ through the gospel in hopes that what? That they come to faith in Christ. Now, why would I say that? Because a Christian believer would have resolved much sooner than step four. A Christian believer will not allow conflict to continue that long. Because we know and understand the power of forgiveness. We know and understand because of what Christ has done within us, the power and the, and the necessity for us to, to be able to deal with conflict and find resolution. Now that's the process that's found in Matthew 18. It's a great model for handling personal conflict. I've watched it in the workplace. I've watched it in churches. I've wa watched it in so many different places where people have experienced personal conflict and they followed this process, and it was very helpful. In fact, I watched Cheryl walk, walk through this process with others in her workplace. You know, she'll see other, you know, as a, as a leader in her workplace, and they come to her, and they're like, hey, I've got, I've got some conflict going on, and Cheryl uh, will respond uh, with this model. Oftentimes, and I've heard Cheryl say this, that people will respond, man, that's really good. That's a really good process, just clear, precise. And then they say, where did you find this four-step process? And Cheryl's like, it's Matthew 18. It's in the Bible. Listen, when other people come to me about conflict, historically throughout my ministry, um, if somebody comes to me and says that they have a conflict with another person in the church, my very first question is, have you talked to them? Have you talked to them? If their answer is no, my meeting with them is over, right? My meeting's done. I have, I, I, what I, my role is to do what? Refer them to Matthew 18. My role is, look, if you've got a problem, if you have a conflict with another person, uh, whether it's at work, whether it's in the church, whoever it may be, if you don't go to them first, I'm, I'm not the next step. Coming to me as the pastor, I'm not the next step. I'm not the first step. I'm, I'm down the line. 
And now you, you, you go and talk with them first. And, and I don't offer my opinion. I don't hear them out with what all the conflict is about. Because then I'll be tempted to say, wow, well, you know, and then I'll offer my opinion. And that's not what we need, right? You don't need to hear my opinion. You don't need to hear my input. You don't, need me, you don't even need me to take sides. All you need me to, to do as a pastor in that moment is refer you to Matthew 18 and say, you need to talk with that person. That's my counsel. That's all I have to offer is to send you in the right direction and base it upon Matthew 18. So my role is to simply follow the steps of Matthew 18. And I hope that you will remember, and I hope that you'll read Matthew 18 when you experience that conflict uh, in your life.